okay? So we just need the Lord. We just need the Lord. Acts 17.6, I'm just going to get right into it now. Acts 17.6 is where we, we talked about last week. I'm going to use it to jump off today. But Acts 17.6 says this, um, When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some of the brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also. And Jason has welcomed them, and they act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. And so I really just, I just read this, the, just shortened it up a little bit this morning, so I've got a lot of scripture today. But it says that these men, these Christians who have come to this town have turned everything upside down is another way to translate that verse. And so I believe the Lord is calling us as a people to begin by way of hosting the Lord's presence to begin to turn the world upside down. And, and we went through the list last week of all the different things that need turned upside down. And, and like legislation will help. However, we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit more than anything else. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this. If we're praying more, I think we... Be real careful. If We should pray for those who are in office, those elected officials. But if we're praying more that we're worried about who's going to be put in the Supreme Court than we are for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we're in trouble. Okay? We want the, a sovereign outpouring of the Lord. Like, I think, we need, I think we need men and women that have good character and biblical values in the Supreme Court. I'm just saying what we need more than anything is an outpouring of His Spirit. Okay? All right, so Leonard Ravenhill said this, if God could turn some of us inside out, he might send us to turn the world upside down. If God could turn some of us inside out, he might send us to turn the world upside down. I, I think this is a picture of how we need to pray and how we need to live that, that, that it doesn't do a bit of good for us to stand on the street corner and yell, turn or burn, if we got sin in our life. Okay, I don't think it does real good yelling turn or burn anyway, if you want to know. It's, it's the kindness of God that leads men into repentance. But anyway, but anyway so, so, so the Lord, He needs to do this deep work in our hearts. And once He does the deep work in our hearts, then we have permission to give away what God has done in our hearts. It's, it's like, like, I'm not going to take it. It's like this. Like if, if you, we've said this before, if you have a plumbing issue, you're, you're not going to call and ask me how to take care of your plumbing issue. Why? Because I'm not a plumber, <laughs> right? If you need electrical work done, you're not going to call me. You're going to call Colin, as a matter of fact. You're going to call people who actually know what in the world they're doing with those things. All right, so why do we expect the world to come to us for answers when we're not manifesting the answer in our own heart first? And so I'm saying, let's allow the Lord to go deep within our hearts and do this deep work. I'm hoping and praying as we've come out of this COVID stuff, and it's still going on, but, but, but we're allowed to meet and stuff like that. Like, it was hard to be isolated for all those months, right? It was hard not meeting. But, but I'll tell you what the Lord did during that season is many of you learned how to actually have a devotional life with the Lord. And, and I say devotional life, like, like you didn't have this to rely on, and so you had to go get along with God and hear from God for yourself. And, and now, now that we've learned to do that, now I think the Lord's like, I'm going to start trusting you, and I can begin to use you because you have spent time alone with me, because you've went to the one that has the answers, if you will, all right? So make no mistake about it. 
We are called to turn the world upside down. We are not just called, again, to have good church services. I think we have great church services. I've been a lot of really good ones. I've been a lot of some really lousy ones. But I'm saying, make no mistake about it. We are called to turn the world upside down. And you look around and it's like, well, this group of people? Yes, this group of people is called to turn the world upside down. And I am naive enough to believe, naive's poor, I am faith-filled enough to believe that the Lord wants to do it. <laughs> All right? Now, how do we turn it upside down? And, and, and there will be several points here. But this morning I felt like I wanted to talk about, and this actually came out by way, this is what I'm really loving about our prayer meetings or our, our, our prayer room stuff, is like the Lord's really been speaking to me through this. Now, now I heard the Lord say this the other day, and, and like I read a scripture, Melissa sang it, and then I've obsessed over it all week, this idea that we change the world, we turn it upside down by our excessiveness. Excessiveness. So, so like, and we've, we've talked, and like, what I'm talking about is I'm all in for Jesus. Like, if, if I had a scale and one end was Jesus and the other end was something else, I don't want it to balance out. Like, I don't want to live a balanced life. I want to be this and nothing else, okay? I want to be almost obnoxiously excessive, if you will. So, so, so this, Matthew 11 says this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Yeah. Violent man. <laughs> violent man, that's it. Your salva- Listen to this. Your salvation was won on a violent and bloody cross. I'm sorry, that's not an Easter. I, I'm sorry, it's like, it, it's so much more than what we pretty up and put in coloring books for kids, okay? Your salvation was won by a violent act on the cross. I'm going to read this verbatim. Jesus came and lived a perfect life, lived a violent death, and was bruised and crushed. He was punctured and whipped. He was ridiculed and spat on. He was scorned and abused. His hands and feet were pierced, okay? So there was a violent act that he went through so that we could enjoy what we are actually enjoying right here and right now all right now uh, now it says that the violent take the kingdom of heaven by force what does that mean it doesn't mean we need to go buy up all the we- uh, all the weapons and become well, some militia group that's not what this is talking about whatsoever it's talking about just pursuing the lord and pursuing the lord and we get sickness in the body we get stuff that comes we're going to keep pursuing the lord right you 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 get a diagnosis i'm going to pursue god you have someone that slanders you i'm going to pursue god you have someone that insults you i'm going to pursue god we're just going to pursue him over and over and over and so we need to be violent in the pursuit of getting free from sins yeah. Now, it's nothing that you can do. Like, you can't get yourself free. Only Jesus can set you free. However, I will say this, that you can be as free as you want to be. We need to be violent in our resisting the devil. Now, again, I've taught this. I don't think it's 
getting in a ground match because he's already lost. James says to, 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 to submit yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will then flee. And so it's submitting to God and, and submitting to the Lord, submitting to the Lord, the devil will flee. We need to be violent in our prayers, in our intercession, in our pursuit of revival, in our pursuit of on earth as it is in heaven, in pursuit of our kids of salvation and seeing that they're walking out the things of the Lord. <coughs> it's being, it's almost like this. It's being uncompromising in what we believe the Lord wants to do and going after that very thing. And, and like, like if, I, if I read that I can pray on earth as it is in heaven, like I celebrate what God does because when I celebrate what He does, it actually gives me the faith to believe for more. However, when I look around and I see the things that's going on in society, I think I need to be praying this more and believing for it more. I'm going to be violent in my pursuit. Now what happens is when you start doing this, people think, again, you're just out of your not mind, plum nuts. And I'm saying, it's okay. I, 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 I made a really bad, I thought it was funny, I made a really bad joke at assembly when I get my report that I feel like I am the guy that, ha, that like I cleaned out the locust in my teeth and I took off my camel hair suit to come here and give my report today and I am perfectly okay with how I'm perceived because I'm seeing the Lord begin to move in people's lives. I, I, ser like seriously, seriously, like like what, what what happened the other day? We had our prayer room yesterday, and and there was some stuff going on, and some folks that you all had to be late, and so you look at Valerie and say, "I need your help. Come on up here." Won't she comes up, praise heaven down. The Lord shows up in the room, and it was just this beautiful, beautiful picture. And I think if we haven't been violent in our pursuit, we don't see stuff like that happen. If we don't not violent in our pursuit, we don't see. Stand up and give a word like you just heard, which I believe absolutely I was from the Lord, what you just shared. And I believe what that little young man right there shared was from the Lord. And you don't see these things unless there's a culture of people going after the Lord together. So we turn it upside down by persevering in excessiveness. So this is the scripture where I'm getting excessive from here. But this is in Mark, let's see, Mark 14. Mark 14. Now, it's one thing to be able to do this when everything's going really good. <laughs> Bills are paid, church is full, I'm doing well at my job, I've got money in the bank, no one's sick, everyone's getting along, like that's easy. But when the rubber hits the road is when you find out what you're made out of. I, like seriously, it's like if, if we never had to leave this faith, it'd be easy following Jesus. I, at least I think so. But when you go home and something happens, it's like you want to respond and you get that check. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. Let me say this, though. Like, if you mess up, get back up. Come on. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> that's, like, that's probably the most spiritual thing I'll say today. <laughs> you mess up, get back up. Don't lay down there in the muck and the mire and keep licking your wounds feeling sorry for yourself. But get back up and think, well, for grace, I'm going to move forward from this situation. We, we, oh, man. Some of us stub our toe and think it's the end of the world. And it's not, man. It's not. He's good. 
So Mark 14 says this. This is talking about Jesus. And, and while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of costly perfume of pure nard. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. Now, by the way, another version or another text actually acts like it, it, it points that for all intents and purposes, this was Judas saying this and Judas was the one that controlled the money and, and he was the one that sold and betrayed Jesus for money. So I think it's a religious controlling spirit that had no desire to help the poor anyway. All right, and they were scolding her, but Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you bother her? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always will have the poor with you, and wherever you wish, you can do good to them, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken in memory of her. That's absolutely beautiful. That what, what she basically said, <laughs> I was actually thinking of uh, uh, a conversation going on in the back room yesterday about how some of us men are stingy and don't like to spend money on cologne. <laughs> anyway. Imagine, ima- imagine saving up a year's salary to buy a bottle of perfume or a bottle of cologne and going, a year's salary. Every bill that you, like a year's salary. This isn't, this isn't after you pay your bills. This isn't after you put your tithe in or put your tithe in to pay your bills. It's, this, is, this, is, this is everything I have. And she pours it out on him. Okay, this is, this is very significant. Now, this, this extremely expensive ointment mixed with spikenard poured out on Jesus, it represents, it was actually a prophetic act of the costly price that Jesus would pay when he poured out his blood for each and every one of you. Like he just wasted it all on each and every one of us. And she wasted it all on him. Like she's preparing him for his burial is what he says. And so he's saying like what I'm about to do, this is saying what I'm about to do is a prophetic act. Now spikenard, it was obtained from vegetation growing high in the Himalayan mountains. And it was processed, I'm not going to give you all the it was a really, really long process. So like it was expensive because it was rare and then it was expensive because it came from far away and it was expensive because it took a long time to make. Okay, It's not just like putting a bunch of stuff in the bottle and be like, here you go, let's put a label on it, sell it. That's not what it was. It had to go for a long, long process of getting the exact right ingredients, the right time, from the right location. So again, this is why it's so expensive. It's a prized possession for her. And it would have been the most important thing that she had And she goes in and she sees Jesus. And the only logical response that she had was to go. That was the only reasonable response that she could come up with to do in his presence. I'd have been like, 
Like, I don't know if you've ever been around anyone famous, but I've been in a room with famous people or whether they were sports stars or any, something like that. And like, I, I didn't think about pouring cologne over their head. <laughs> you know, when I thought of, I was like, I hope I don't say something dumb. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I would have been like. I just try not to mess up the moment. the only reasonable response that she could think of is say, this is everything I have. It's the best I got, and I'm going to give it all to him. Yeah. What, what if, what if that's what the Lord's asking us to do? Because yeah. <laughs> I think it is. Now, now, obviously, the religious leaders, they did not understand, and they considered a waste of resources. It could have been sold or given to the poor. And, and I, I'll say this, like if we're going to see the Lord move, if we're going to see the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ, if we're going to see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord begin to cover the earth as the waters do cover the sea, then we're going to have to be excessive yeah. in our worship and devotion unto Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and it's not to do it to draw attention to yourself because that was not the woman's heart. I actually think she saw Him and got so overwhelmed. I, like I picture it like her not envisioning anyone else in the room. And she just says, there he is. And she pours everything out on him. And she pours everything out on him. And she just worships him in this moment of devotion. And when you do that, when you do that, you, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a hill of beans what's going on around you, right? It doesn't, it doesn't make a hill of beans what someone that you went to high school with 20 years ago says about you or thinks about your life when you haven't spoken to them in that long. And they give an opinion online. And you think, well, my life is just terrible because this person that I never really liked when I was growing up has this opinion about me and I'm not trying to be mean I'm just saying we put too much stock in what's going on around us we need to get the fear of the Lord instead of the fear of man back in us okay and say my only reasonable response is is excessiveness to receive revival we've got to be excessive in our devotion and in our worship you've got to be willing to look foolish I mean and and like and I, I know we do this here I know we do this but I think the Lord's calling us deeper into it because the further into the things of God we go, the more people will not understand. And it's not to, and this is not elitism. This is not thinking we're better than anyone else. This is not anything like that whatsoever. What this is is saying, He paid a high price for me, and He is worth every single thing that I have. That like it's, it's like we no longer count the cost because He is our exceedingly great reward. And, and we just want Him, and that's the only thing that matters. We've got to be willing to do do whatever it takes and so so excessiveness looks like this if the lord says i want you to fast for a few days and your spouse doesn't feel called to fast you still fast If he says, I want you to turn off the television for a few hours this week and I want you to spend more time in the Word or more time on your knees, you do that when you've already spent two hours in the day doing that. It's, it's the willingness to spend time with Him. And, and, I, I, and again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to do these things because I don't want to become like, well, I did it more than I did last week. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying whatever He asks, go for it. Right? Whatever He wants you to do, go for it. 
and and like like and, and it, I'll tell you that like it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to just say if there were three people in here, or if there were three thousand in this, I would preach the exact same way because I feel like I want to give it everything that I have and break that alabaster box before him week in and week out, and, and before you. And then when I get home, it doesn't matter what happens. Or I'm going to seek the Lord with everything that I have and pour everything out and 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 have a costly. I don't know, a costly, worshipful experience with him is what he desires. And what's amazing is he says, he says, truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, this woman, what she has done will be spoken of in memory of her. You know what the greatest legacy any of us could leave is to be excessive. My epitaph, he loved God. David's epitaph, he served God with a purpose in his generation. Like the, the greatest legacy that we could leave behind is that future generations say those people love God and they give him everything they had. The greatest legacy that you could leave your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, spiritual sons, spiritual daughters, spiritual grandsons, spiritual granddaughters, the greatest legacy you could leave them is my mom or my dad. They love Jesus. And they went after him day in and day out, even when it was hard. Even when it was hard. Legacy belongs to those who waste everything on Jesus. <laughs> and it's not wasting, by the way, okay? I just, I just like that language because I think it feels jarring to me. But legacy belongs to those that waste everything on Jesus. And so you may feel like this. You may feel like, man, I, I'm... <sighs> I read enough. I pray enough, but I know the Lord's calling me deeper. I'm saying don't, 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 don't try to rationalize yourself out of it. Like, like very practically, it's like this. It's like, like I feel like as a church, but I, I'll say this. Like I feel like as a church, realistically, since Pastor Corey came about two years ago, we started praying yeah. before service. Like we started praying as a church, right? Yeah. And so for all intents and purposes, I could be like, yeah, we pray. And then someone gives a burden, we need to pray some more. And it's like, all right, well, let's pray. And, and so we start rearranging our life to be up here. And I'm not saying you need to do that. I'm just saying that's what the Lord's told us to do, is rearrange some priorities and come up here and be in, be in the corporate setting, be, be here and pray. And, and, and it's like, well, I mean, how many times can you come to church and pray in one week? <laughs> I mean, like, like but now, I'm, I'm like, that's, that's what most people's response would be. It's like, you did it. Like, it ought to be good, right? Boom, put it in the time slot, I'm done. And, and it's like, no, man, 
I know in the season, this is what the Lord's called us to do. And we're just going to keep coming after him and coming after him and coming after him. And then we're going to go after him some more, right? And then we're going to go after him some more. And then we're going to go after him some more. Why? Because he's called us to live excessively. He's called us to go after him. Like, I, I, I think in this time, what we're starting to see in the body of Christ, I think what we're starting to see is this. We're actually starting to see the real body of Christ. And it's popping up all around the country. But we're starting to see pockets of people that go after Jesus. And that's their number one priority. They're not interested in the religion of their moms or their dads or their great grannies or grandpas. They're not, they're not interested in rules and rituals. What they're interested in is in a man, Christ Jesus, the king who's sitting on a throne. And they're interested in giving their life to him. They don't want to treat him as salt or pepper and sprinkling him on their life. People are looking for the real thing. And so I've, I see right now what I believe the Lord is doing is he's raising up. He is raising up his bride all around this land. And he is looking for a bride. Like, like <clears throat> seriously, like you would not want to marry a spouse that you knew that wasn't fully devoted to you. And he's looking for a bride that says, I'm fully devoted to her. Amen. Look, look over at John 21. Thank you, Lord. John 21. I'll read the first nine verses. <clears throat> when you start living excessively, <laughs> you have to determine that his presence is enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let me say that again. I think this is an important statement that once you start to live excessively, you have to determine that his presence is enough for you because you will get shaken. Things will happen around you and you have to determine if his presence is enough. Now, John 21 says after these things, this is after Jesus had risen from the grave after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And I'm going to, this is so important. I'm going to talk about this in a second. They said to him, we will come with you as well. They went out, they got onto the boat, and, and, they caught, and, they, and at night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And so Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, No. And he came and said, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will catch a fish. <laughs> And so they cast, and when they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish, therefore the disciple Jesus, um, disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for it was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in a boat, for they were not far from the land, but 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. And so when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some fish which you have now caught. 
Simon Peter went up, drew the net to the land full of large fish and 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Okay, so here's a few observations from this text. And I believe that this is actually a picture of saying that the presence is enough. Okay, so, so, so bear with me for just a second. So Jesus had raised himself from the dead and, and, and he manifests himself here. Now what's fascinating is this is that he told them multiple times to go and wait and he would meet with them after he was raised from the dead. He said, go to this particular place and I will go there. And so rather than going where they were told to go, they go here to the Sea of Tiberias because they were fearful and they went fishing. They ran back to the familiar. When things start to happen in life and you start to live excessively and the enemy starts to move and manifest and things happen, you will be tempted to go back to what was familiar. And I'm going to tell you, beloved, let's not go back to what was familiar. Let's value His presence, okay? Now, in His goodness, Jesus actually goes out to them look at this after these things Jesus manifested himself to the disciples see a Tiberius he manifested himself in this way verse 2 Simon Peter and Thomas and Didymus and, and Nathaniel and the sons of Zebedee two others of his disciples were together Simon Peter said I am going to go fishing here's the deal and I don't mean to put any guilt on anyone but if you're pressing in and you decide to shrink back others will follow you Peter was influential. He was an apostle. He had an anointing that, that drew people to him. He just did. He was a leader. And whether you, and I'm just saying this, that as you start to move forward, when you decide to stop chasing after him, it does not just affect you. It affects those around you. Because they end up being in the wrong place too. So they said, we'll come along with you. So the other places Jesus said where to meet in Matthew 28, 10 and Mark 14, 28, if you want to go check those out on your own. But due to their, their unbelief and fear, they went back to the familiar. Now, again, in Jesus' goodness, Jesus is always chasing people down. It's Psalm 23, that surely the goodness of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life. It's, now, he goes and he meets them. And he says, children, do you not have any fish, do you? And they answered, no. And he said, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will catch a fish. And so they cast, and they were not able to haul an in because of the great number of fish. So here's what's fascinating to me. And I think I taught this like four years ago when we were out at Crestwood. Like, one, Jesus was a carpenter, and he's telling professional fishermen how to do their job. Like, I, I'm just like, it just doesn't make sense except for he's Jesus. Because, <laughs> again, I'm like just... I'm not going to call an electrician for a plumbing issue. <laughs> Just not, unless you know how to do it. But they had fished all night, and during this time that it was, they, like they say, they, they said this, I read some historian that said that fishing was better at night on this lake or on this sea, and so they would fish at night and take it to market in the morning is typically what happened. And so they fished all night. They did not catch anything. And Jesus is like, cast your net on the other side. Now, I want you to think about this. It's not like they were fishing on the Titanic where the boat was big. 
Okay, like seriously, it was on the other side. So, so realistically, the boat would have been about six, maybe seven foot wide total. So, so it would have been like from here to here. And he says, oh, you fished on that side? Throw it on the other side. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been fishing before, and there's not much difference between right here and right here. Okay? However, they did it. They obeyed the word of the Lord. Now, when they obeyed the word of the Lord, the Lord came and He moved and they received supernatural fruit, supernatural abundance in that moment. And so, like, obviously, it would be like, yeah, we should obey the word of the Lord. But here's the warning. Here's the warning in this text because this is what's so fascinating to me and this is where I I get this presence has got to be enough thing. Like, what if they would have been like... Oh man, we got 153. Let's stay out here and see if we can't double this and get 306 if we cast it out again, right? I mean, like, so here's this thing. Here's this temptation to keep doing the exact same thing that they were doing because one time Jesus said to do it. Okay, one time Jesus said to do it, right? He said to do it once, so I'm going to do it again. And Peter, he's down, he's basically in his tidy, tidy whiteies, and he's like, I got to put on my outer garment. So he puts on his outer garment, jumps in the water, and swims to the shore because he said, Look, I received supernatural provision. There was supernatural fruit because I obeyed the word of the Lord, and you always obey the word of the Lord. However, I recognize now that. That this is Jesus and His presence is there on that shore. And even though things are going well right where I'm at, I want to be where He is. See, see, yeah, this like this just makes me want to run through the wall. I'm just telling you, like, this is so, so true right here. So he, 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 he jumps in and swims and goes to him. And the rest of the boys, they row the boat ashore and they bring in the hall. And, and the temptation, again, is this, that we want to go back to the familiar and then the Lord because He works all things together for the good of those who are loved and are called according to His purpose. I promise you there's many of us in this room that we did something that was not in the will of God and we suffered the consequences, but in His goodness, He turned it around for good. You made some boneheaded mistakes, but he turned it for good, right? And then it's like, well, he's going to keep blessing me now. No, he's trying to get your attention to do what he asked you to do in the first place. So Peter, he goes and he jumps in the water. He swims ashore, and it was about 100 yards. So, so think of it like this. like He swam the length of a football field. Swims the length of a football field, runs ashore. And what's fascinating, I didn't read this. Uh, I didn't read all of this a minute ago. But, but he swims ashore, and then, and then, I'm sorry, I did read it all, but you get to verse 10. Jesus said, bring me some of the fish you've caught. But, but Jesus is waiting on the shore with them, and Jesus has bread and has fish cooking on the shore for him. You know what I think this is a picture of? I think this is a picture of, look, let me read verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. <laughs> he swims ashore, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord? Coming at breakfast. You want to think this is a picture? I think this is a picture of, 
All right, so, so we, we, uh, we, we, were, we were in fear. We were somewhere we weren't supposed to be. We went back to the familiar, and His goodness, He came out and got me. He started moving our life. We had lots of fruit going on, and we could, could have been real tempted to stay right here, but instead, I decide I'm going to be where Jesus is, and when I decide to be where Jesus is, where His presence is, He says this, come and have breakfast. He says, let me feed you. I think this is a picture of, again, Matthew 4, 4. <laughs> Man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. I think this is a picture of Him meeting your every need, right? It's like when His disciples come to Him like, Jesus, you need to eat. And He says, I have bread, I have food that you do not know of. <laughs> you could stay over here. And keep fishing because this is what the Lord told you to do last week. You could stay over. Let's, let's, I don't, we don't really have this issue here, but, but we could stay here and do what we're doing because it worked two generations ago in the church. And how many understand what this thing was is a good thing? It was a great thing. But it may not be where he is right now. And we wonder why we feel anemic and why we're starving to death. And, and if we could just make that decision, like, I, I, like, and I love that it was Peter. You know what's fascinating to me? It wasn't John the Beloved, because in my mind, it should have been John the Beloved, the one that actually recognized it was Jesus. It should have been John the Beloved that jumped in the water and went. But instead it was Peter, the one that always put his foot in his mouth. Instead, it was Peter, the one that you think was the cursing apostle that had a foul mouth. Instead, it was Peter, the one, the one that denied Jesus three times. It was the one that made mistake after mistake after mistake, said, his presence is enough for me. And so Jesus, come and have breakfast. I felt this really big on my heart this week that there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of people seeking clarity right now. Let me just, I'm just going to speak real clear. There's a lot of people in this, our own local body, seeking clarity from the Lord right now. And I'm not thinking of anyone particular, okay? But I know there's people seeking clarity. And I know from my own self, the propensity is to keep wanting to go back to the one thing that I know. However, the Lord is saying, is my presence enough for you or not? Even though the thing that you're doing may be the most productive thing that you've ever done, it may be time to seek the Lord and ask what He's doing. And so it may be a shift in relationships. It may be a shift in day-to-day -day activities. It may be a shift in life. But if you can go and you may not see how it can work out, Jesus can say, I'm going to make breakfast for you. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to make breakfast for you. And by the way, not only am I going to break breakfast, bring breakfast for you, but he had, he had the fish already cooking. He said, bring me some of the fruit that you just had, which means that some of what happened in that season will get a carry forth into the next season. It's not a clean break away. It's not a clean break away. Too many times we think we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and that's not what it is at all. Jesus says, bring me some of what you have, and let me prepare that for you as well. Because what it is right here... 
oh man, what it is right here may not, it, it's really good, but it can be better if we just hand it over to him and allow him to prepare it. And so, so I just say this, let's be a people that are excessive and let's be a people that say his presence is enough. Practically, practically, let me give you the real church world example for this is we, we sang Graves in the Gardens this week. Love it. It's one of my favorite songs. It's been like on my heart for like two months, okay? We sang it. Now, the, the, and I felt like the Lord moved. And the difficulty would be like next week, I say, Brett, I want you to do that song again. And I want you to pause where you pause, and I want you to kind of make room for me to come up and say a few words when I said a few words, just like I did last week. And I may come up, and he may do that thing, and I may say the exact same thing that I said next week as I did this past week. But this week, the Lord was on it, and next week, you're going to be like, what is going on? Can we just move on? Do you understand? You understand? So it's a picture of saying wherever he is and whatever he's doing, that's what we're going to do. And so, so it's like this. Practically four years ago or three and a half when this church was started, it looks very different than it does right now. And I believe what we did three and a half years ago was what the Lord wanted us to be doing. But it looks totally different than it did, does. It looked totally different then. But I also believe we're doing exactly what God wants us to do right now. And so, but what do we do? We just, where His presence is at. Does that make sense? Like, okay. I just want to pray over us this morning. <laughs> I just want to pray. Come and have breakfast. I love breakfast. <laughs> oh, come and have breakfast. What is the saying? It's the most important meal of the day. Maybe the food that gives to, that Jesus gives to you is the most important meal that you're going to have every day. Maybe. Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you. I pray right here and right now, God, that, that we would be a people that just pursue you. That just pursue you that just go after you and then go after you and go after you. <laughs> I pray we would be like, I, I even remember growing up when I was raised on a farm, we had a dog that would always wait at the end of the road waiting for cars to chase. I, I pray we'd be the type of people that would wait and when we saw you, we would chase after you absolutely as hard as we could. I would pray, Lord, that you break off any fear of man that's left in this room. For those who's here, and I would pray the exact same thing for those that could not make it today, Lord. I would pray that we no longer live for the approval of man, but we live solely for the approval of the one that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. May we, may we be the people that just live after that. I would pray, God, huh, I would pray, Lord, that you, that you help us to just... I don't even know how to ask it, Jesus. I just know what I feel. I would pray. Hmm. I would pray that you remove any and all obstacles or excuses that may come up in people's lives, not to guilt trip them. I just feel like you're calling us deeper than we've ever been. 
in this excessiveness, Lord. You're just wanting to, you're just wanting us to not to pay attention to what's going on around us, and you're wanting us to just solely focus on you. So I, I thank you that I believe that you're going to do that. And then I would pray, Lord, that we come into the revelation that your presence is enough. It's not Jesus plus something else equals satisfaction. It's just Jesus plus nothing is satisfaction. <laughs> I, I would pray, I would pray, God, that you would begin to help us move with the ebbs and flows of your Holy Spirit. I would pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want to do, God. I would pray that we would be responsive to whatever it is that you're whispering, Jesus. And, 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 I, and I'll say this, like some of us, some of us you, you may think the Lord's doing something new and, and you may not be sure what to do. And I just hear the Lord just saying, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. And so I say, God, hmm. I say, Lord, just help us. <laughs> help us. Help us to be a people that just, <laughs> we, we put on what we need to put on and we jump in those waters and we swim after you the moment we know that it's you, Lord. So, Lord, I, I just thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I pray right now, Lord, for all those in our church body that have been dealing with sicknesses, in afflictions, I say, Lord, would you just touch them supernaturally right now? I say, Lord, we keep praying for Tim, but I say, touch Tim. Let him get a good diagnosis this week, God. We say, touch Val, touch, touch Morgan, God, touch, touch all of these, Lord, that are dealing with different issues, God. Let, let them be walking testimonies for your goodness, Jesus. Let them be testimonies for your goodness, Jesus. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray today. Amen. 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 Let's give them praise, church. Amen.